founders. Welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have Chase Bowers, the founder and CEO of Dropified a drop shipping platform created to leverage technology helping business owners achieve financial freedom and live their ideal lives. Chase started Dropified after learning about drop shipping at a conference in 2015. Chase saw the opportunity to do it better and ran with it. Chase obviously met the needs of his consumers. In less than four years, Dropified reached 50,000 e-commerce merchants and was ranked number 55 on the Inc. 5000 list. Chase Bowers, we are so excited to hear your story. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thanks, guys. Yeah, really excited to be here. Awesome, man. So take us back, I guess, to 2015 would be possibly where the origin story uh, for you comes into play. But what were the series of events that led you to start the company that you're running today? Sure. Yeah, I think this would be good to do. Let me give you a little sneak preview uh, to to the audience of kind of kind of some of the initial results and then kind of step back from there. So sure. and it does, even in the sneak preview actually starts in 2015. Um, so 2015, I, as the intro said, I was in a, at a conference, I met someone, they shared a business that they were uh, doing and drop shipping. Um, they share, as they were sharing, there were tons of just, uh, it was just really time consuming and tedious. Uh, and it was a really cool opportunity. Uh, but I saw some really big uh, ways to be able to create something where you could scale it, automate a lot of different things to save you time, reduce errors, then just create something that was actually scalable. So the, I went back, I had been working on a few side projects at the time and had a, a developer that I was working with. And I just ran the idea by him or what I was wanting. It was like, here, I want this Chrome extension that goes and uh, takes a product from a web page and you click a button and it automatically sends it to your shop. And like the next day, he had like the very first prototype of what would be Dropify. Wow. So I, at this time, I wasn't even trying to create a business per, per se with this. I was actually trying to do the dropshipping business myself. And I wanted just to automate things for me. So... I um, I showed it to the, some of the guys that were at this mastermind at this conference, uh, and they were like, "Man, you've got to do something with this. This is like this is really helpful, and I can use this, and a ton of other people that are doing this could use this." So I, I kept working on it, uh, making it better, uh, and eventually, I uh, just to give you the preview, I took that idea, got uh, worked worked and we'll talk about this. We'll dive in a little bit more, but worked with a mentor of mine, got a thousand free beta users. So no money at this point, no revenue. I then uh, was able to get feedback and then validated the idea in like less than, I think like four days I I raised just by selling like a, uh, like a lifetime version of it as a beta um, raised like $30,000 to keep working on the product. Fast forward to the spring, I did a, a bigger affiliate launch, which we can dive into as well. And that we did seven figures in a matter of a few months doing that. So I went wow. from like 
nothing to like that. So it was a big growing up experience, lots of lessons uh, and lots of praying for wisdom. And uh, just, yeah, just a, it was a very big change. But um, so saying that, I think it's very important because you, a lot of the people I know or friends or, you know, I'll be telling people this story and they see it and they're like, man, that's, that looks like instant success. It looks so easy for you. You know, it was just, just happened so quickly, but yeah, what they don't know is all the, you know, the previous years of preparation and, um, just, you know, the, the, all the, the hours devoted to, you know, preparing for that moment. Sure. Um, so I would love to, it's up to you guys. I'll, I'll kind of give it to you. Would you, would you like to talk about some of the preparation moments? Yes. So we can dive in a little bit more into that. Yeah. I would love that, you know, because we experience the same thing, whether it's in business or just talking with friends, when we observe other things that seem overnight successful, it is almost always a, a misnomer. You're missing something, you know, that no overnight success happens. Um, this just when it became visible, right? So I, I'm really interested in, in what you would look back on and see as the preparation for that, that yeah, kind of rocket absolutely. launch growth. For sure. And, and what we'll do, I'll just take the 10,000 foot view. We'll dive into, like, if I had to break down just like the lessons of each part of my life, um, I would probably break it down into, you know, just like there's some things I took away from childhood, just kind of growing up, just life circumstances and then kind of the college experience and then uh, just early career and then kind of the entrepreneur phase that kind of led into Dropify. Um, so if I were to start at just the child, childhood phase, uh, just some quick highlight points here. Um, my parents divorced when I was five, I believe. I think that definitely shaped me in a way. Sure. Uh, probably the biggest lessons I took away from just that period of time was, um, and this was, it was more just how to, it was just the way I view people and relationships. And it was more of, you know, you can have um, a thwarted view of how you view people and what you expect from people and, you can almost try to find your fulfillment in people or you expect that they can fulfill your every need. And whether that's in a relationship with, you know, your spouse or just in any type of relationship. Um, and having that experience with divorce early on and just that my relationship with my father was very unfulfilling as far as he wasn't like that father figure that you would, you know, that could pour into you and encourage you and like would fulfill his promises or, Mm. do what he said he was going to do. So I had that view early on, like my hope, my whatever should not be in people. Um, and then, um, so I really, that, I'm curious, did that cause you to be very self-reliant from an early age? It did. It did. It was, I, I it, very, no, that's exactly, that's probably the biggest takeaway was more of just not put all my, hope in people. And, and it eventually it affected my faith as well. Like just my identity, uh, believe was found in God and in Christ sure. and who, who, um, and who I was, was there. So that was a big part of that as well. And it really shaped how I even maybe, and I don't know, you know, DNA versus like your environment as far as it, you know, personality wise, but I'm definitely very even killed. I don't get too high or too low, just kind of, kind of know where I'm going and kind of keep going there. So 
definitely that had a part uh, for sure that played. Man, played. I've just got to say we were we were the reason I have that insight is because we were just joking with a friend. We went on a guy's trip uh, surfing and a golfing trip with some of my best friends. And one of our friends, Pat, was every morning making breakfast and like really great breakfast. And he was he had like put the whole trip together. And we were like, you're so self-reliant. Like, how'd you figure this out? And he was like, man, greatest gift of an unreliable father. <laughs> and that was like, that was the joke was he yeah. loves his dad. But he was like, yeah. the greatest gift of the pain of having an unreliable father is like from an early age, I learned to figure things out for myself. Like yeah. he doesn't get overly let down if people let him down. So yeah. like he didn't expect it in the first place. And he's just like, oh, I'm just going to figure it out myself and make the breakfast I would like. And you know, that kind of thing. Um, so it was a joke. It was kind of a painful joke, but also <laughs> also recognizing where, yeah. in a sense, the gift was in that pain. For sure. Yeah, and you, you have to kind of watch out both ways. It can be a gift and a curse exactly. in, in a way, uh, but it definitely has some good positives from it. Um, and transitioning from there to kind of uh, the college years, uh, that was just, that, the biggest takeaways there was just, just kind of growing up, um, learning to not be such a mama's boy and just like having everything done for you. And you, you know, a lot of you have experienced that. Um, yeah. And again, self-reliance again, like I remember being like in college and not like just being scared to just call about a Comcast bill or something and to go, you yes. know, just that you just, I've never done that before. Your parents had always handled everything. So it was just a lot of that type of development. Uh, and then I would, I would say that probably the biggest development part and where we'll kind of dive into a little bit is the early career stage after college. I'm out uh, doing various jobs and just some of the lessons learned and the, the hard work uh, or just after hours, you know, just all the extra of kind of experience what the what a career looked like and just kind of what I learned from that so so once I graduated college I had a series of different opportunities and man what just looking back what blessings they were uh, I never went for to work for a, a, just a really large company with the exception of the University of Alabama but I did work my mentor, college mentor, he gave me an opportunity to run a video production company. And it was really just me, no business experience, nothing. It was just like, here's a video production company. So I got my feet wet. There was really no stakes. He was more looking back. He was really giving me an opportunity to like fail and not, you know, not fall on my face. And so what a blessing there. And then, uh, moving past that, I worked with an agency, uh, a web design agency. So my buddy, he went to architecture school, didn't find fulfillment in designing metal boxes for people. Sure. And he wanted something more creative. And he started a web design company. So again, no business experience. He was like, hey, I had led worship at a college ministry that he had, um, was running as well. And so we connected and we're, I'm not an owner in the business, but it kind of treated me like an owner. I helped like make all the decisions and run it. So we, we pretty much like if there was a book on like every mistake that you can make or the worst way to run a business or anything thing like that, we, we probably made, you know, 80% of those mistakes. <laughs> and like, I just remember like thinking back, they were just, just really like, so 
basically it, the, instead it was like Michael Scott, basically, you know, it's like have fun, <laughs> fun first. And um, so it just kind of flipped it a little bit. There was no, it was like, yeah, let's, you know, let's make some money, but it was more of like, we wanted the end result of what everybody wants as an entrepreneur, where you have more time freedom or you have, we wanted that without actually like building the infrastructure or the, the pieces to make that happen. Yeah. So I remember like when the iPhone first came out back in the day, like everybody, he bought everybody an iPhone that was on the, the team. And like, we still, you know, there was no money to do that. Uh, <laughs> we would, we would go fishing all the time, just, just take off and just go fishing. And anyway, it was just definitely a growing up experience, but surprisingly to this day, he stuck it out and he actually has turned it into a great business. Uh, wow. There was roller coaster moments. We um, we hired too fast, so we hired a bunch of people and friends, and grew it real, way more staff than we needed. Uh, I remember like growing a sales team. We were just trying to grow a sales team. We we're just hiring people, had no infrastructure, no plan for them to follow. We were just like just threw them out there. You know, it's like surprised if they couldn't make it. So it's like, why can't we make a sales team work? Uh, and <laughs> They're we not figuring it out. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's the problem? I know. Why can't they get this? Um, yeah. So then we outsourced, I remember we outsourced to India uh, for just some of our web development because we were trying to, we went the opposite. We like let everybody go. And now it's like me and this guy. We're like, how are we going to actually produce websites now? So we outsourced to India, which was actually a good move, but it, uh, we didn't have the best team. So they were, if you're, when you're designing code or you're writing code, they have a term called spaghetti code. And that's just where the code has no framework or it doesn't fit together. And they basically were writing spaghetti code. So it made the maintainability of the projects very hard. Sure. Um, so learned some lessons there. And then, so some of the biggest things that set me up for Dropify to learn there. And that one other piece, and then I'll kind of move on from here is that we, um, we, we would work with other people who had ideas for their startup. So they would be, you know, the next Facebook or the next, you know, whatever big idea they had, we would take it and we would brainstorm it. And like, here's the problems to solve. And, and we would build it from scratch. So I had a lot of experience just, you know, managing a dev team, thinking about a startup idea. Um, and so I did that for a little while. And I moved to the University of Alabama. So during this whole time, though, I, I really got intrigued. My my de my degree before all of this in the college years was in marketing, and I still had a really strong love for marketing. And so when I went to the University of Alabama, they hired me as a digital marketing specialist for the mm -hmm. College of Continuing Studies, so just online degree programs. And I really just wanted to dive in and just like you know, learn it all. So I, I would, you know, bought all the courses. I would just stay up. Uh, I remember even being on my honeymoon in 2009 and not like distract from the relationship, but any free time I had, like if I was sitting in the beach chair, you know, on the beach, instead of like just closing my eyes and doing nothing, I would be listening, just trying to learn because I was just really intrigued. It was fun, you know, yeah. fun for me to do. So it was something I was who really passionate about. Uh, who are some of your marketing mentors? Who are some of the people that you really uh, like? I like that. Uh, yeah. I think uh, Dan, Dan Kennedy. Uh, I've listened to a lot of Frank Kern. Um, 
who else back in the day? I think John Reese. They had all had like a little clique. They were kind of together mm, uh, cool. back, in, back in the day. Yeah. Love that. Certainly a secret uh, love of, of ours as well. Yeah. Uh, I love marketing is a good thing if you're in any kind of business. Yes. So. Yeah. Sweet. Um, Sorry, man. Keep going. Oh, yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. So, yeah, really. And that's where I put in a lot of the hours. It was, you know, nights just digesting, consuming as much as I could. And a really another big takeaway from there would be, um, and I don't, I would love to hear you guys' take on this as well, but like the art of learning just in general, like the love the, and even just the art of how to learn, like mm. the best way to learn um, is, a, is a really, really big takeaway. So I don't yeah, know if well, you guys have any what did you learn? What did you learn about you in particular? Like what was the art of learning for you? What, what seemed to click? Um, probably my biggest takeaways were from Tim Ferriss and Josh, Josh Waitskin, I believe is his name. Yeah. Josh Waitskin. Yeah. Yeah. He even has a book that he, yeah, I wrote, I think it's called the Art of Learning or something like that. Interesting. Great, yeah. He was, he was the chess guy, right? And it was he the yeah. one that was talking about cross-disciplinary, lessons where he learned all this stuff in chess but then he realized it applied also to business and and that kind of thinking yeah yeah it, it was the just a lot of concepts from like even tim Ferriss. i believe it's in his chef four-hour chef book he has a whole section at the beginning of the book talking about like the art of learning i think he even oh, references that's oh. weight skin but it was it's basically like just taking it's almost like the the uh, Pareto principle, the 80 20 rule, like taking yep. the essentials, you can learn like pretty much 80% of anything by focusing on, you know, just a small portion of the essentials um, and really just diving into that. Um, so that was a big takeaway there. And yeah. um, for me, and, and just really capitalizing on the way that you learn. Um, so for me, I can consume this audio or you know visual video and i can and i was able to just gradually uptick um the speed that i could learn you know so now you know consume everything on audio audible or audiobooks or scribe or whatever at 2x speed so you can just uh, get through a lot of stuff as well and i was able to you know retain it as well uh which was good so I, i just really honed in on those things and then just doing deep dives. So I could do a very short period of time and just go all in and buy what I would consider or just find out who is the best at teaching this and who's the you know expert and really just hone in and focus on that. Yes. And those are probably the biggest takeaways um, yeah. from a lot of that. I, say, um, I think that's really good because there's the self-learning thing, which I think is what you're really tapping into. And some of the, another thing that we've talked about on the podcast too, is just the idea of apprenticeship and a little bit of a lost art of learning from another person while doing, uh, which is a powerful uh, learning framework that I think is just lost in lots of jobs. It's actually not necessarily lost. Like everybody has something that they were apprenticed in. It's just yeah. realizing that that's how you learned it and going, yes. Hey, could you apply this to other places? I think is, has been awesome. Your retention on audiobooks while listening is that you feel like that's natural or did you actually apply some, any, any tactical things to like, these are, these are ways that I applied it, or this is a way that I capture it after we've had uh, Jesse Cole on the podcast. He's a owner of the Savannah bananas, but he talked about um, just doing book reports. You know, that was so helpful for him. Anything that you did to, to retain or you're like, no, naturally I kind of just capture it. 
Yeah. So I have two philosophies on this. One, I have an awareness philosophy. I just want to be aware of like what's out there. And I don't necessarily have to apply like everything or retain everything. A lot of it. uh, So that's one philosophy. So sometimes I'll read just for that. But if it's something I know it's like, okay, I need to do this. A couple of things. One, I'll either I'll do a book buddy, read it with somebody, talk about it, and then also teach it. Teaching yeah. is like the best way to retain, um, for sure. Uh, having to present or talk to talk intelligently about it with somebody um, yeah. really forces you to at least get the main principles out of out of it. So, so I, I do that a lot. My business partner, um, we'll do that a lot. We'll you know make sure we're reading the same things, and then also my executive assistant, I, uh, I, I challenge her uh with that as well and we'll talk yeah. about things that just really helps retain. keep you guys on the same page and how you're thinking which i think yeah. is legit i will say just to because we got drew here i i have told drew in the past like i envy his retention i think it's his, his like secret skill set that nobody really sees that plays into a lot of the other uh great strengths that people end up experiencing is just this incredible ability to just retain some like the random fact whether you're having the the hilarious conversation with some friends sitting around a table or you're actually in like a client meeting you're like where i know that we haven't talked about that in a long time and then it just brings it up yeah my wife talks about that often i think you know what what's interesting to me so not just to talk about me but what's interesting to me about the subject of learning is a lot of the people i've interviewed that we've interviewed uh sometimes not every time but sometimes actually weren't great students and even considered themselves not great learners yet when they got into the um, into the self-learning space that was around what either what they chose to care about or what life was forcing them to care about they realized they were like avid learners and they yeah. loved it. and that was me I was a terrible student so forced learning was not was not great for me yeah but as soon as I left college I mean literally I started reading books voraciously because it was around the world I was navigating and caring mm-hmm. about and feeling like I need to sure this up or I want to, or I'm curious here. Um, and then for me, information just goes in, teaching it helps the most. Anytime I can talk about it, whether it's just mm-hmm. with a friend on the phone, like you're talking about with Jordan or teaching it to uh, clients or from a stage just solidifies it in my brain, but everything kind of goes into the known world that I care about, almost like in these little boxes, they kind of fill in gaps in the territory of what my mind is on. And then they can be pulled out at any moment, like the Josh Waitzkin thing. I don't think I've ever taught it. Def- definitely didn't write it down. But yet I do remember Tim Ferriss talking about this. And I filed it away in this idea of cross-disciplinary learning from the chess guy. Yeah. And, I'll never, and I'll never forget that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. No, it's, yeah. And it's such, like, even thinking about it, like, when I, well, we have, I have a, a daughter. She's about to turn two. And then we're not quite, we're, we're actually right at the point where we need to start thinking about philosophies on like learning and life and education um so we started having those discussions and um and some of the even the goals of like what i want her to get out of education just like super high level goals but those are yes yeah, like the love of learning um yeah the love and art of learning yeah um yeah it's what, what just plays a, a big role in all of that so yeah, um, just to connect with you, I have a uh, a two year old just turned two, October fourth, and uh, we we are having those conversations, you know, which is is fun. One of the 
just a book, The Whole Brainchild. Have you heard of that book before? The Whole Brainchild. Uh, my wife is, is reading it right now. Yes. So that was the one that Drew and I, uh, our good friend, Dr. Jerome, um, Jerome Lubba, uh, that's the book that he recommended on how to learn about neuroscience, even for us as coaches. Yeah. And he goes, read the whole brainchild, man. Like yep. it's going to make you a great dad and it's going to make you a better coach. And that, that was where we kind of cut our, or at least where I cut my teeth on, on really digging into the neuroscience. Uh, but there are some good books there that I'm like, all right, like, how do we, how do we help my, my little boy as we, uh, as he, you know, falls on something just last night, he's gotten used to like one of the things to help their, their left and right brains kind of connect is just telling stories. So if they, yeah. Ball, they bump, bump their knee, you know, tell the story of, of what happened uh, to help that connection there and just help him kind of, uh, you know, develop his brain. But he just naturally does it so, so often now, which is just amazing. So last night he falls, hits his knee, like he takes a spill. It was like, whoo, like oh, one of these man. where uh, it's always the worst when like either one of us like make a noise. So like Kristen yeah. saw gasps and like yeah. now we're definitely in for tears for five minutes so we're gonna have to get through that um yeah. but once we got through that little tears he you know he's like in the midst of tearing he's looking back and he, he just starts pointing he's like the book and the cart and the and he just tries to start telling the story which I, <laughs> you know phenomenal which i'm like you know hopefully that's helping his brain he at least learned how we want him to talk about it you know <laughs> that's really good that's a good takeaway I actually have that one queued up. So I'm, yeah, I'm really interested to dive into that. It's, That's cool to always, it's always wild with kids to realize how much of their pain is a direct reflection of what they see in your face when they fall. Yeah. So every, <laughs> like yesterday, my son, I have three kids, seven, five, and three, and my three-year-old's a dude, and he just falls all the time. Like, I'm hoping yeah. it's not a reflection on his coordination. I think it's just a matter <laughs> of his courageous spirit. But every right. time he falls, before he cries, he looks up to the nearest parent and he's, you can tell he's gauging our face. Like, are we scared? Are we yeah. whatever? And depending on my reaction, it, it will mitigate how intense or how chilly so it is true. about it. Um, Very true. Which my wife has had to get me some because I'm naturally like, I'm a calmer. Like, yeah. you're good, dude, whatever, that I have to actually know when he really is hurt or my daughters are hurt. Yeah. To, be, to be empathetic and join them in that moment <laughs> versus being like, you're good. <laughs> like wipe yeah, it off. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're all good. Oh, okay. So we, let's get, we'll get back to uh, a little bit of how you got into Dropify. So okay. love those lessons, by the way, super insightful. I can tell you've done the work of understanding yourself and what's really made you successful. Um, when you, when you specifically step into Dropify, what were some of the critical things you brought in, especially from being a part of that early business where you said, man, we made, you know, every mistake in the book and now you've got a chance again, uh, where your preparation has met opportunity. Um, what, what were some of the early lessons you brought in that said this time I'm going to do it this way? Yeah. So, well, again, this was, so it was pretty like when it met, when preparation did meet opportunity, it was a pretty drastic like result for me anyway. I don't know how it necessarily compares to everybody else's journey, but it was pretty quickly like going from pretty much, you know, consulting, like doing some local consulting to like having hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank account. And just like, is this real? Is it going to disappear tomorrow? I just remember. Sure. Is this like going to just dry up tomorrow? Cause it would just happen so fast. And I didn't know if it was sustainable or not. So that was like my biggest thing was, 
again, it goes back and that's where the art of learning, I think, and just uh, came into place. I was like, I was just praying for wisdom. I was looking like, what do I do? Like, how do I manage this money? Like the best way, like, uh, so I joined uh, like this uh, place called the Wealth Factory out of Utah. I think Garrett Gunderson runs it. And so that was, it was really good. It was just, I did a year of that, just coaching. Mm. Like, here's how you get your, uh, you know, your, just all your foundational things. So you can have peace of mind, like your insurances, your, uh, you know, all the liability type stuff. And, and so it was just a good foundational thing. So I did that like right as soon as I could. Um, I, I built a completely remote team. So I was literally just the only person in my city and I was working from my guest bedroom and everything else wow. was remote. So my developer was from Morocco. Uh, so it was just me and him for a little bit. I hired a couple other developers and then just slowly started building a team and just practicing doing that. Um, uh, you know, we set up on Slack at the time back in 2015. And I was, and I had a very, I was doing everything myself. I was still in that not really scalable mode, but it was just learning mode. Like you, you know, at first you just have to, a lot of times you just do it yourself and learn and then you can teach and kind of hand off. So I, I was a big a proponent of automation. So places where I could automate, I would just set up any type of automation there. Um, uh, yeah, slowly, I was doing all the customer service. I slowly started hiring people for that. Um, I had a background in marketing, but really at first we, we hardly did any like, but I, you know, like any paid ads or anything like that. It was all like we had the big affiliate launch. We had a lot of momentum from that. We had a lot of word of mouth that carried over because it was, um, it was, it was just that type of community. There was yeah. working with entrepreneurs. So how big, how big was that, um, that beta testing phase for you guys? Was that, was that critical in confidence for you? Was it critical for working out some early maybe bugs or like what what was that like? Because you said what you had a thousand a thousand people first that got to experience it for free and kind of that beta launch. Yeah, it's an interesting. I'll, I'll dive into that a little because it's pretty interesting a way a way to approach it, or it's just different than yeah. some other ways. So again, just to fast forward, I was at the conference and mastermind. I got the idea, built the the prototype. And so at this point, I have this prototype. I have zero customers. I have, if I'm like worst case, I'll just use this myself and grow business. Uh, so uh, the guy that ran the conference, he was uh, in a, a, a large portion of his income was from like an affiliate marketing type business. So basically he would build a huge email list and he would send out promotional offers and things that were relevant and interesting to his list. And because he promoted it, he would get a piece of the revenue. Right. So, uh, right when I was building this, he was about to promote a big drop shipping training course, like how to start your own drop shipping company. Well, you know, a whole video course showing you how to do that. I was like, man, this is like, you know, the perfect audience for my tool on like how my tool actually helps you manage your drop shipping business. So I reached out to him and I was like super, you know, nervous and it's like, yeah. you know, he's like the big guru and I'm, you know, just, one of his students and have no previous anything. 
So I reached out on Messenger and I think I, I was just like, I was like, hey, I respect you a lot. And I know you're doing this big thing. I, this might be the dumbest idea ever, but if you want, you can actually give away my software, like a light version of my software for free. To all, everybody who buys your course is a bonus. They buy through your link, they get my software for free. Um, and we talked a little bit. He's like, yeah, show me your software. I just want to make sure it was legit. And uh, so we we struck that deal. And so instantly I had a thousand people like within a few days. Wow. Boom, beta customers right there. Brilliant idea. So from there, the other cool like tweak on this was he he set up a Slack group. I think it was called shopify something they're all like shopify store owners it was like this whole thing built it on the shopify store it was in a slack group and i had a dedicated channel where i could communicate with all the customers um plus you know they would they could sign up for my you know for uh software and i would have their email as well but i would start just building relationships with people on there and just providing tons of value like listening to feedback i did that for the first couple of weeks like, what do you guys want to see? Here's what we have so far. People were loving it. Like, this saves so much time. What about doing this? I have problems with doing this. And I was like, sure, that's awesome. Um, I'll just, you know, I'll keep adding to it. And, um, then, and then at some point I was like, okay, this could actually turn into a real business. Like people um, are really liking this. I was like, let me just test and see if people will pay money for this. So I set up an offer. It's like a VIP thing. You get lifetime access. In the future, we're going to turn this into a monthly subscription. But for now, if you buy now, you can have it. It was only it was like 300 bucks. You could have lifetime access. So it was a killer deal. Um, so I put that out there. I was like, there's 50 spots available. And then, you know, I'm going to close it down. Um, so I put it out on Slack, just a message. It's like direct message me if you want this. So within like the first, like, uh, I think I did it on a Friday by the, the next day I sold out of all the 50 slots. So I'd raise like 15 grand and just like in a day, I was like, man, this is crazy. I was like, let me just try this one more time for the next weekend. I'll open it back up. And I did it again and it sold out again. So I raised wow. 30 K and really a span of just a couple of days of actually having it live. I was like, okay, there's something to this. So that, that was the initial strategy of just get it, raising the money in a slightly creative way with uh, and just validating it and giving me some capital to actually build it out. Um, so I, from there, just to kind of cap off this whole, like how it launched, because there's one other kind of cool way to do this. If for those of out there who are actually looking to launch uh, a business, um, there was a, so there's the whole affiliate launch model. So I just mentioned that my mentor actually promoted somebody else's course and that's how, uh, he earned a living, but that's how they also promoted their course as a, as a right. marketing strategy. So that, that's what I decided to do was an affiliate launch. And the whole strategy is you get a bunch of people to promote your product. You have like a big one week event and everybody just promotes it at the same time and you get a lot of synergy and you have the whole event, you have the whole urgency of a special deal that's only available for this week. Um, so I had never done that before. So I hired a, a JV, uh, which a joint venture affiliate manager to orchestrate all this. And fast forward to the spring, you know, we spent like, you know, months just building up the software. We added a ton of features and then we, 
uh, did the whole sales video experience, and we broke it down into a sales funnel. Uh, the first end was a lower end offer because we wanted a lot of people coming in at the top of the funnel. Like we just wanted a lot of people there so they could actually see the other pieces of the funnel. Mm -hmm. So it was like, a, I think we started it out like $47 on day one if you buy for the one piece of the product. So yeah. you get like the, yeah, just one part of the product, which lets you add products to your store. And then we, um, and then from there that gets, gets tons of people into the funnel and then they can see your other parts that you're offering. So this, after they purchased that initial uh, piece, they saw the upsell one, which was a, the, a higher level piece of the offer. So it was like a hundred, and 97, I believe, dollars. Again, this is all lifetime, like a special thing. Wow. And then the, the next one was 297. So I think total, if you if you added it all up, it was anywhere from, I think it was like five or 600 bucks total. Um, and so that was the whole, you know, funnel. And by the end of the week, we had, we had you know, everybody promoted it at once. So that's where the influx of money comes. You're, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And by... Uh, by the time a couple of months were over, we had also done webinars and we had um, made over in revenue over seven figures in just a really short period of time um, doing the affiliate launch. So it's an interesting way to launch. Like, I mean, tons of people actually do this, but not everybody really knows about that model. And yeah. if you have the right fit, like if you're going, especially if you're going toward like entrepreneurs or kind of that particular space, it's a great way to launch uh, either a course or a, a software business for, um, with hardly any, you mostly it's just time effort in coordinating all the people to launch. Um, that's awesome. Love that, man. That's brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's fun to see, or for us to talk to a real life case of this, because I'm, I'm familiar enough. Jordan's familiar enough with the kinds of, uh, gurus and the kinds of marketing strategies, right. That would lead yeah. to this. And you hear all the results and you're always like, but who's doing it? Like, who do I yeah. know? <laughs> who do I know that's done this and seen it? Uh, and I'm like, wow, that is a, that is a really great example of the right product that had a very clear audience that would, this would revolutionize their business or at least be a, a no brainer value add. And then you bring that into that affiliate marketing uh, promotion well done. I mean, I think you, you you captured the lightning in a bottle and made the most of it to get to get immediate traction, immediate capital. Um, what a great launch! Um, so after that, uh, I kind of want to get into Quick just for pause. yeah, just to wrap that up too. So I'm familiar with Jeff Walker and mm -hmm. just he's the launch guy. Definitely. But like, is there, is there a place that you would? suggest somebody go if somebody just heard this and they're like dude i've they've got some idea and they want to move further and they want to think through that launch strategy where would you suggest hey here's the things if you want to go deep in learning that yeah that's probably it that's probably is the place to go you nailed it jeff walker I, that was one back in the day that was one of the things i had i, I really dove into and in learning yeah. his whole product launch strategy of yep. course people have tweaked it over the years and there's different versions of it um, but yeah, that, um, I know click funnels, they have that whole like funnel. Um, yeah. even yeah. if you don't use click funnel software, they have just tons of just knowledge and education around that whole space of how to design a sales funnel, which is yeah. pretty much used for anything. 
Um, and then Jeff Walker, yeah, great place to learn how to do that type of launch, affiliate launch, event launch. Um, That's awesome, Chase. So you have this launch, goes extraordinarily well. Uh, immediate influx of customers and immediate influx of cash. Um, what comes after that? What does it look like to build a team to support uh, to support the demand, to support maybe even the product and, and the customer service? And then I'd love to go from there to today, uh, or I'd love to get into some of your, your philosophy on building high-performing teams. Yeah. Um, so one of the, th- right after that, one of the things I wanted to do was like, this still wasn't a sustainable business. We sold a product one time. It was lifetime offer. I wanted to, the temptation is to keep doing that for a lot of people. And for me, I was like, you know, cause it's just immediate influx of cash. It's easy to sell. But you eventually you're going to run out of customers who are doing that. The sizzle is going to run off when you haven't really, you know, once you stop selling, there's no other like cash that will be coming in. So I immediately wanted to turn to the more traditional software as a service model, um, recurring revenue. So I, I that summer during 2016, I did make the switch to uh, the monthly subscriptions. I, again, completely new to all this. It's almost like picking numbers out of the air. It's like, I just go, yeah, yeah. This nineteen dollars, forty-seven dollars, and ninety-seven dollars. <laughs> uh, make sure you have the sevens in there, or whatever you know, the nines or sevens, whatever. Yeah. You <laughs> like I've seen other people do it. That's it's got to be the way it is. If Walmart's doing it, Walmart's got the nines and the sevens. I need to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we did that and, uh, yeah, we, it, it worked, but, uh, another really cool thing that happened like pretty early on was like, there was this whole second layer of revenue that I had not had never intentionally, or just did, was not expecting really. I was on a, a conversation with somebody in, uh, Facebook messenger at the time. And they were like, Hey, did you know you can like uh, get uh, affiliate commissions for like you know recommending people um, when they uh, buy your when they buy products in this place? I was like, no, I didn't really know that. Let me look into that program. So we were actually able to um, we did one a couple things. One, we opened it up where any of our customers could uh, get their own affiliate commissions. Uh, when they just bought products that they were already going to sell in the store anyway. So this was just like for them getting free money back. But anybody who didn't do it, we would get, we could, we're actually referring to this source of the product so we could get commissions. And also we, um, we could have, we almost had like this aggregate kind of uh, deal where, uh, because we're referring so many people, we could get higher, like a higher tier of commissions basically at the time. Uh, that no longer exists, sadly. Uh, but at the time, wow, what a just a hidden secret um, revenue source that mm. really coupled with what we're already doing, just growing with our um, monthly recurring revenue, just a large like yeah, sum of cash coming in to really support the business and grow it. Um, so that's, it's, uh, it was a lesson in itself, like to always just be, I don't even know what the lesson is really just, there are other sources of revenue yeah. that yeah. you can be looking for. Yeah. The funny thing is most of the time 
like I have a, a you know a pretty strong philosophy on like creating value versus like just trying to like the mindset create value for your customers instead of like extract profits you know just at least having that mindset of I'm creating value. This case, I wasn't necessarily creating value, but I wasn't, I didn't have the mindset of extracting profits. It was literally like just this. It's just sitting there. Yeah, it's just sitting there and nothing's, nobody's grabbing it or nobody's doing anything with it. Um, yeah. So there are those opportunities as well. There may not always be as apparent or may not always be there, but sometimes they're there and just having the awareness to work. Now, a clarifying question, this is you guys leveraging your list of now customers that you've done from your launch or any other things that you've done, and then actually using and communicating to that list, essentially being an affiliate for that, and then marketing other products through that list. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, but in a very different way. You know, typically an affiliate's like, here, here's a product, we support it, click this link and buy it, and then you yep. get it. The way our service works is that, that these are e-commerce store owners. They use our product to go find products to put on their store, yep. uh, on their e-commerce store. When they make an order, they also use our product to actually fulfill the order. So they will click a button literally to go place the order on another website. So yep. just from them just using the product, that was like the affiliate referral. So oh, wow. we don't have to send out a link, you know, an email every time. Yeah. It was just, they're using it was like, the product. It was like you found out there was money that you technically applied for. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I remember, I remember my friend, Scotty, uh, who was brilliant and needed no help getting through the University of Georgia, but he's half Asian. And he just started realizing there was all these scholarships that he technically applied for. And he was like, hey. So like, yeah. he, he had like four different scholarships at once. And at one point he was like getting paid to go to school. And we're like, how'd you do that? He's like, it was just sitting there. And yeah. I technically, I technically qualified for this. And so here we go. I'm like, yeah, man, that's exactly it. That's fantastic. This uh, makes me think of actually another conversation that's not around affiliate marketing, but just around yeah. awareness of revenue streams or awareness of opportunities. I was having with a client yesterday. So one of our clients is a brilliant uh, custom fabricator and has a, a growing, thriving business. And that this year has been obviously very tough with all live events, uh, yeah. you know, coming to a, to a complete stop. Uh, so it's given him time to think about the business, to work on the business, and just not in the business. Right. Yeah. And uh, his natural, especially as a practitioner. Right. So like he comes first as a as a person who knows how to do the work. Mm -hmm. Everything he comes across filters into how that might, you know, translate into him doing more work and to him yeah. doing a different kind of work. Yeah. And yet he also has a vision for creating a bigger umbrella company that would support all these different practitioners or, you know, fabricators, but in different kinds of fields and that kind of stuff. And so I was teaching him, like, listen, the thing you just told me, the contact you just made you translated into how you could do that personally, like yeah. put your time in for more dollars. I was like, I need yeah. you to start thinking about how that could translate into a bigger business that has nothing to do with you being really good at a skill, right? Yes. And, and it's just simple awareness add-ons that you might see an opportunity like that versus being stuck in a very narrow lane of here's how our company makes money, here's the service we provide, yeah. and you're not even looking for the connections that your world might be bringing to you that are just outside that lane, like still inside your value set, still inside maybe even your company mission, but is just outside that narrow lane that you've been focused on. No, yeah, no, that's completely, 
Yeah, that's completely accurate. Just the whole aspect of even now, like to this day, I just keep, you know, you just keep getting stretched more and more. A lot of it is like the people you're around um, that have been there, done that. They kind of just stretch you. Um, and yeah, it's definitely the entrepreneur trap. I'm sure that's probably even the name of a book, I would imagine. Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> if not, yeah, we not. just if not, we just found the money sitting there. Yeah, that's right. We used product launch strategy. Yeah, and um, yeah. So you think like that, and that's completely right. Like I, you know, I've been through that. A lot of entrepreneurs are go through that. You get to a point where you become the cog in your business. Like you can only do so much, and you will never grow past a certain point if you can't figure out how to leverage um, your team, leverage um, systems and structures, and and all of that. And we. kind of to fast forward to today, like we had us, uh, even in, in Dropify, we, we grew, we grew really, really fast over the next several years from when we launched, uh, which, you know, landed us on the peak, uh, 500 or 5,000 number 55. But we, we know we've come to a point now where it's like, we're, we're we've reached this point. We're at about 30 team members, all remote, um, and we've even pivoted in the business. Some we have like a whole new, uh, just product offering that we've added on as well. And in order to get to the next place that we want to go, uh, we had, we had to look at the business and like, we're going to plateau pretty quickly if we don't add some more structural pieces in here. Uh, so one of the, one of the things and I'm still new at this, so I'm not like an expert at this by any means, but one of the things we are implementing is um, the EOS framework, entrepreneurial operating yes. framework. Yeah. Yep. And um, so we're really, it's, we've only actually only been doing it for a few months now and just really impactful as far as getting everybody on the same page, alignment of goals, just like, especially with our leadership team. And then our yeah. leaders are starting to do that with their teams um so that's been really impactful just that well that whole getting out of your own way um and letting empowering other people or your leaders giving them ownership yeah so just for the for the audience listening we are big fans of of eos and jordan is even uh certified as a as an implementer for that i'd love jordan could you just give a quick um a quick explanation for anyone listening of what EOS is, because we, we really love that and have seen that generate tons of value for companies. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the book tied to it is Traction by Gino Wickman and fantastic book. I got my box of traction books over here that I'm always handing out yeah. to uh, to different people or clients, or whatever uh, may be the um, kind of the inspiration for it. I think you could find in uh, Michael Gerber's E-Myth Revisited. Um, That's the place where he starts talking about helping you understand as a business owner, most small business owners say they're the business owner, but they have a very strong functional role. Like they're in that business and they're rarely working on their business, that their business isn't actually a system that provides results for them. And so EOS, which is is uh, kind of you can learn more about in, in traction, is the entrepreneur operating system, which helps you actually, how do I work on this business? How do I create some business systems 
that one, give us a vision and kind of get your get your strategy aligned, which is powerful. But even more than that, like, how do you get traction? Traction, um, yeah. Man, one of, you know, Gino Wickman, one of his huge mentors is Vern Harnish, the guy who wrote the book, Scaling Up. So Vern, we just released Vern's podcast, uh, like today, I think. It was, you know, just released. Um, but yeah, I think he's somebody who really championed uh, Rockefeller habits and, and understanding how do you get a meeting rhythm inside of your, uh, inside of your organization that, that creates a cadence of execution so that you can gain traction on, on the big rocks like Stephen Covey talks about. So highest level, uh, it's the way to actually get a two-page business plan and to really work on how do you execute it and set up a system that, that allows your people and your processes both to be set. And so very, very confident in it. Love it. Love that you're on that journey too. That's, uh, that's awesome. How far, how far into it are you guys? We are, we have an implementer. Uh, so we've done two sessions, two of three sessions. So we've the VB one and the VB two. Yes, I believe so. Um, and so, yeah, I highly recommend, um, anybody who's listening, if you kind of find your business in that situation, definitely reach out, get some recommendations, call up Jordan here, um, and get an implementer to it. And I, and I'm a big proponent of, uh, like that, that moderator or that facilitator type role right. in, in any type of like yeah. your, like whether it's you and your spouse, just wanting to grow and just having to get better at communication or you and your business partner or you and your, uh, your team leadership team, having that facilitator come in and help it actually, especially when you're first implementing or implementing EOS, you don't, you, you, even if you've read the book, it's like, you know, the ideas, but you don't know all the details and some of the nuances and like how to navigate some of the questions that come up. And it's like, should we do it this way or this way? Then that, uh, implementer plays a huge role there and just being that person that's super confident and can guide you and facilitate you and get you working together and having great open honest communication and um, yeah so i'm a Man. big believer in that so one thing to like celebrate you like this isn't the first i mean good job for like championing having facilitators and that helps us somebody that wants to stand in the gap and actually help coach yeah. and move people along to their goals but that's so much in your journey. It was something I was already going to commend you with at some point in the podcast was like, you found your, your geniuses along the way. And then yeah. you go, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to find the wealth factory and I'm going to go invest in that. And that's a part of your learning, but it wasn't you. We talked to you in the very beginning, you're self-learning and how much you're doing on yourself, but you're not solo to self. You're going and you're learning from others mm -hmm. too, which I think is, is an incredible trait for you. Something that we've seen from a lot of our, our founders is they have, uh, they have a CEO group, but they also have a coach and they're also going to understand that, Hey, sometimes I need a facilitator. Drew, if you're down, I'd love for you to just like hit the quick story of the group that we know that didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was thinking about that. I was yeah. thinking about that. Well, no, just first off to hop on again, um, for you, I just think as I'm thinking about your story, it's really cool that you have this great mixture of self-reliance and, uh, somewhat of a self-humility, right where it's like i want to i realize what i don't know and mm -hmm. then other people know it and i'm just going to go and access that but then what really sets you apart chase is you actually take it and apply it in very strategic 
ways, which I think is brilliant because, you know, there's some people that become information or conference junkies, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Where it's like, they literally just go to another thing, join another group yeah. because they will not do the hard work of implementing the things that are being passed on to them yeah. and go figure it out, right? Like there's yeah. always that gap of like, bridging it into your actual experience and making it work. And that's what you've done really well to get the most out of whatever groups or whatever books you've read. Uh, so we have a great, there's a company actually in Birmingham uh, that uh, we've been quasi working with, you know, and constraints have been financial capital to a degree and some personalities yeah. on the team that are just really resistant to change, really resistant outside voices. Uh, but we steered them towards EOS. It was really clear what literally our blink was like, hey, you guys need a system like this and we can provide it. They read the book, realized, yes, we do need the system. But then they came back and said, I think we're going to do it ourselves. And we said, great, you can, which we had told them, like, you can do it yourself. Just so you know, it's going to take you longer and it'll probably cost you more in the end, maybe financially, but definitely in other ways, like your energy and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you could spend a little more and we can get you there a lot faster and a lot easier. And they were like, we're going to try it our own way. But we kept coaching the CEO. She paid yeah. for us because she was, she was the one that was like, I, I see you guys. I'm with you. My team's not, right? Yeah. And uh, so anyways, she reported back nine months later from that conversation from when they started nine months later. She was like, Drew, I'm so excited. Look, here's what we've accomplished. We got our vision here. We've got this set. We've got our values. I was like, wow, it's so great. Uh, and so I championed it. And then we got to the end of the conversation. She's like, man, but I'm tired though. I was like, yeah, I bet you are. It's been a grind, right? She's like, yeah. I said, well, just so you know, the things that you just articulated to me would have gotten done in the first half of the first day that we <laughs> that we would have done the implementation with you. <laughs> and she's like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, I pulled up the schedule of the day that uh-huh. we've done dozens of times. And I was like, there's no good reason why it would have taken this schedule wouldn't have been met. We would have been through half of this in the first half day. And that took you nine months. Yeah. She was like, I knew it. I knew we should have done this. And she was exhausted because she was carrying the weight of trying to understand it and lead the team in it and even hold them to the rhythms or answer their questions on the fly that she didn't actually have the knowledge of from the book to, you know, <laughs> seeing several test cases and whatever. Uh, and it wasn't a gotcha moment. Again, she's somebody we, we definitely love, yeah, but it sure. was a, it was a like, okay, that is the difference. We could do this over nine months ourselves mm-hmm. and be exhausted at the end, or we could invest some money in this and in two days have covered that nine months of traction, right? Yeah. Um, so so that, that was definitely a funny one for us. I'm curious, <laughs> what are maybe some other things that you're recognizing hitting either at or coming to that plateau? And you said, man, we need some underlying systems or structures that I think might propel us through that. You went to EOS. Was mm-hmm. there anything else that came to mind that you thought, hey, this is the time that I need to develop something here or strengthen something here for us to continue to rocket into the future? Yeah, I think, uh, so we, I don't know if you guys are familiar with a guy named Dan Martell. He runs a, a company, uh, he, he's involved in a lot of different things, but our primary relationship with him is uh, a, a group called the SAS Academy. Hmm. And it is coaching, it's more like a group coaching program and he's created a killer community and he's really a wealth of knowledge, but he, he, um, he said something, and this is a probably, this is a common saying. I've heard it before. It's, uh, it's not, it's not always about, sometimes it's not about, um, the 
how you need to ask like the who question, like who can I either partner with or mm. who do I know that can do this for me with the same kind of what you were saying with EOS. A lot of times it's not just knowing how to do it. A lot of times it's knowing the who uh, can come in and do it for you. you can, a lot of times, you know, you pay a little more upfront, but you get the ROI typically is a lot better. You get faster results. You get it done quicker. You, you don't have to like, create this whole new department and system right. from scratch right. and your team. Uh, so that's a, I mean, that's a really big key. I would, uh, or just an, un, something to kind of unlock for how you can scale and get more done, more accomplished. There's somebody that. out there that's already doing it. They're the expert, go hire them, go get them, bring them in, mm. uh, whether it's so learning it's a- or doing something. So it's a, it's a community, it's a community and a coaching group for SaaS businesses. Is that what it is? Yeah. That's and I awesome. recommend it as well. I'm not necessarily, you know, Dan's not paying me to come in here and give a testimonial, but it's a, it's a great group. <laughs> so that's not an affiliate. That's not an affiliate. It's not an affiliate thing. Okay. Okay. Just, okay. Just tell them Chase. Right? No, play. <laughs> <laughs> just make sure to say Chase Bowers, but it's not an affiliate. <laughs> it's backslash Chase Bowers, the end of his website. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Again, uh, man, what a great example of the right kind of group, right? The right kind of thing for you to be, it's like, this is our industry. This is our business. Like let's trade notes. Let's get some, uh, get some, uh, you know, best case, best practices, those kinds of things uh, for the business here. And I love that idea of who too, um, Mm -hmm. who too. Uh, But I I think it was um, Jim Collins, right? Where he talks about uh, who luck. Right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever uh, heard of? Yeah, like, is it in good to great or is it in? I'm pretty sure it's in good to great, yeah. right, Jordan? I can't remember if it's in if I was reading or if it was in an interview, but he was he was talking about this concept of who luck, and yeah. he he it's a theory, and he's he's he claims like again, this is a theory. I don't know if it'll hold true across the board, but he thinks within a relative um within a relatively speaking amount, most people experience who luck. That the majority of people all have people that just in meeting them was a luck and potential, mm-hmm. but the difference in those who are truly successful and those who aren't often is knowing what to do with what he would call the who luck. Yes. So some people know how to, how to, and take advantage is probably the wrong word, but may know how to make the yeah. most. Yeah. Like they understand, like they, they, they look at like, man, I can't believe I met him. So what might that mean? Right. Yeah. Like who, what advice might this person be able to give me or doors might they be able to open and he talks about capitalizing on who luck, that yeah. you're really cognizant of the people in your sphere and knowing how that, like, just like that person saying, the who matters as much as the what. And that's a mm-hmm. concept that is just completely stuck. It sticks with me on every podcast we do. Uh, again, we just get fortunate. I'm like, you're now a who luck person. Hopefully yeah. we're a who luck person, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's like, man, there's just, yeah. um, you think about it in a much different way. Now you could you could bastardize it in a, in a sense where, yeah. You look at everybody as, like you said, somebody to extract something from. Uh, but I more look at it as valuing people. Yeah, you, you kind of value that person and their gifts and, and and what they contribute to your life, just like you might be for somebody else. But um, is that, have you seen that play true even in your story? That idea of who luck, for sure. And I think I think even going back to every almost everything we've talked about and a lot of what you guys have talked about and a lot of the story. Um, of just kind of the, of the journey is the whole premise of just like intentionality or just being intentional. And even, even with something like that, like, it's just a, a great thread to live your life by just to be intentional. So you can, um, 
just be purposeful, be intentional, know where or figure out where you are going or where you want to go and be intentional about every step to get there. Mm-hmm. Take the, you know, the, another like cool saying that I heard at the wealth factory, um, at the time was, uh, was, I don't know exactly. I paraphrased it a little bit, but it was like, um, it's, it's almost more important to know what to say no to than what to say, you know, just basically focus and like clarity and that whole concept, which is huge. And even scaling your company or, uh, not wasting your time, that whole, um, yeah, just yeah that whole concept of just focus and that again that comes back to being intentional and actually setting aside a time to even with eos like the whole knowing where you want to go the whole vision uh, yeah your, your whole quarterly rocks and one year plan and all of that just the whole intentionality around that i so love just, that yeah well we've definitely seen that in the podcast there's there's been typically the the very creative visionary kind of person leading a company often that you're talking with, and they talk about their own lesson of learning to, to be more focused and to yeah. filter out the glittery objects and the shiny mm-hmm. objects versus the critical objects. Uh, and I'll just call one more thing and then we're going to jump into the lightning round. Cause I know we've, we've kept you for a while. Um, but if we look at your story, a great example of the who luck was your beta idea. Like the, the, it's like, plenty of people could have been in that conference with your product, like switch places with you and not made the connection. This guy is about to, this affiliate marketing guy is about to drop a course to all the people that are actually my target market. And I could reach out to him, send him a Facebook message, show him the demo and get him to promote it. Like that's a fantastic example of recognizing the who luck that's in front of you and making the most of it versus that just, you're not even looking for it. And you go about having to figure out your own way of getting this product out to market on your own name. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a great example of you taking advantage of that. For sure. And even going back the step before that, just the the guy, we had that smaller mastermind and some guy was just sharing his business. Like, here's what I'm doing. He, he had a interesting story, which I'm going to paraphrase to like two sentences. He was in, had been in prison, got out, trying to do something legitimate with his life stumbled upon some training on how to do drop shipping, started it and made like 15, I can't remember. It was like 15 to $30,000 in his first like 15 to 30 days. One of those numbers are across it 15 and 30 somehow, but he made a lot of money uh, just doing that and just being, so that got me interested just to hear what his, what his story was. And then the whole who luck of being able to take that and turn it into, you know, like a product, um, which, yeah, which was, yeah, just such a, a pivotal, pivotal, interesting time in my journey for sure. Yeah. Man, that is, that is incredible. Uh, let's hit that lightning round, man. Uh, so lightning round question number one, if you could ingrain one message into your organization, what would it be? I would say to, um, always strive to be growing moving forward. Um, obviously there's different seasons of life, but always strive to be growing like, yeah, just, uh, and knowledge, wisdom, physically, like growing more healthy, um, yeah. and, uh, spiritually and relationships just kind of, again, it goes back to the intentionality of 
kind of identifying those core parts of life and always to be striving to grow in those areas. Nice. Love that one. Uh, what's the single best advice you've gotten about growing your business and what's the, what's the worst advice you've received? I would, I've already, I kind of already mentioned this, but it was, uh, probably the best advice was the whole idea for me of, um, just that whole mindset with your customers of creating value versus extracting profit. And I would, on the flip side of that, worst advice would be like to profit profit at any cost would be like the worst. And I've actually seen people that I've, especially in that affiliate space, not to knock the whole industry, but there are some sketchy situations going on there just to be nice about it. (laughs) So uh, my eyes were open to the affiliate marketing world for sure. When I was there. (laughs) And all right. Number, uh, number three, what causes you the most worry uh, leading your organization? Uh, I would say just like, a, and this will lead into number five. So I won't give away number five yet or number four or five. One of the, one of the things that we're going to talk about would be um, complacency, just me as a leader and also in our organization. I mean, it definitely keeps me up at night. I, um, I want to have, have this idea of building like a, just a, a strong culture of like ownership and, um, and where are just our people are very like, again, they're always growing. They're always learning. They're always, um, like we're not having to like micromanage everybody. They don't come to a place where they just are feeling like they're robots. They're like really involved and they're making decisions and they're moving forward. I haven't, we're, we're heading in that direction, but we, you know, I don't know if we've achieved kind of this ideal vision in my mind of what that is, but that definitely keeps me up at night. I just don't want to create a place that's like the robots and people hate to come to work and things like that. Absolutely. Uh, what's your current BHAG? What's uh, the big, hairy, audacious goal for you right now? So this kind of plays into what we just talked about. And that's, uh, so my, like when I fill out, uh, kind of my vision for the future, like personally, professionally, is to be able to crack the code, to be able to run multiple businesses, like without being involved in the day-to-day, like multiple successful businesses, of course, it's yeah. easy to run multiple businesses, just start them up and... Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. Just throw your name on it and here you go. Yeah. Add to the yeah. statistics of failure after a few years there. But um yeah, so that would probably be my big goal. And to to play off of that, like that I had this uh have you guys ever heard of the book or read the book? I think they made a movie about it too, but the book Ender's Game. Yeah. It's like a yeah. sci-fi yeah. book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've read it. So there was a really cool um, story or piece in there that really kind of, especially when it comes to like having your organization kind of act independently, he had this whole scene. So the, the, just the premise, there's a, a kid who's get, uh, invited to this like space training program and they have these war games in there simulating war like battles and they're in this. Anyway, so it's like one team against another team um, and this Ender, he basically is, keeps wiping the floor with all these teams, just getting first place, first place every time, like breaking records, never been done before, this long streak. And so the whole, you know, 
and they kind of dive into like, how are you able to do this? Uh, like, what's able, what's able to cause you to do this? And he was like, well, instead of just having this one big force or my whole team that's operated from the top at one person, I basically created these individual units that can think for themselves and they can make decisions for themselves. Uh, so they don't have to, you know, we don't have all these like layers of tape that they have to do in order to do something that's super obvious. And uh, so I love that whole idea. That's where it was sparked. Wow. I read that several years ago. And, and I think just with going through EOS and there's a really, another really great book called Multipliers um, that has kind of that idea as well. Uh, that's kind of a part of all of that. And, and so I'm, again, I'm still on the journey and I'm not finished at all. Um, but those are the type of things that I'm working toward and growing toward for sure. And I'm excited about So, Yes. I uh, love that, man. Uh, question number five, if you could hop in a DeLorean, you're going to go back to the future for a second. Uh, you're going to go back to your past. You're going to tell yourself one thing from the driver's side window. When would you go back and what would you tell yourself? I would probably go back. I could probably go back at any point in my past, like literally from like last year to, you know, definitely varying degrees, but I would tell myself this has a lot to do with my personality and the way I was growing up and the father figure whole thing. But even though I am very confident in a lot of ways at some, in some ways, I will default to the other person, even when I'm sometimes at the expense of like, when I have like very strong feelings of it. So it would almost be like the advice would be what you, what you do have, you should, I don't know if it's like self-belief, but like what you do has value, like what you have to contribute has value. You don't always have to just necessarily, it's almost like at certain points in life, I was like, I wouldn't even share, even though I felt, you know, I felt like I had value to share. I just wouldn't even share it because I was like, ah, oh, they, they, you know, they know what they're doing. They have an right. opinion about it. <laughs> so they must know what they're doing. Uh, but that's been validated time after time that, man, I should have spoken up. I should have said something. I would have saved so much, you know, heartache or time or whatever it may be. It may have been. Uh, and actually I did have value to add. So. Heck yeah. Beautiful. Man, trust your yeah. trust your gut. Trust your gifts. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we often think of those as is uh, black or white. Right. Like I'm sure for you, coming from even a, a Christian faith background, like I we are, mm -hmm. um, you feel like it's trust yourself or trust God, mm -hmm. and it's not it's not binary. Right. Yeah. It's it's like yeah, I can trust I can trust God, and and, and but at the same time, like what if that's, he is teaching me to trust myself and trust my gut and trust the gifts that are inside of me. Right. Yeah, um, sure. So man, love that. Um, Chase, thank you so much for taking time in a crazy busy year and a crazy busy schedule of yours. Uh, this has been such a joy to connect on many different levels. And I know this has been incredibly valuable for us as well as for our audience. So buddy, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Hey, thank you both. What an awesome time just to hang out and share. So I appreciate it guys. Yes, yeah, sir. Man, thank you. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.